0: Blog Talk Radio. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody out there? Thank you for tuning in to another segment of the Brown Sugar and Spice Show. Tonight, we will be talking about financial literacy, solvency, and getting out of debt. It's going to be a great show tonight. Looking forward to it. Once again, that number is 323-642-1753. Go ahead and press that button, hit number one, to uh, join the conversation tonight. Looking forward to a great show with our guest, Mr. Corey Bill. And without further ado, let me get my co-host on the line, Ms. Kaish.
1: Good evening, everybody. How is the story going? I feel like my finances need Ms. DeBeal's advice. And so I'm listening in as well as participating in this conversation. I'm very much ready. I think um, regardless of where we are in life, we need to be financially aware and diligent in planning for the future. And so I'm excited.
0: Great, great. Of course, you know, my usual question for you is how is life out there on the West Coast?
1: The Best Coast is treating me really well, especially because there's a hurricane approaching our brothers and sisters on the eastern seaboard. My thoughts um, go out to people with relatives in the Caribbean, especially Haiti, Jamaica parts that were struck, um, uh, prayers, and and actually really holding, um, I think holding a a concerted um, effort to try to make sure that they get the attention that they need because I've lived through hurricanes before, and they, they can be horrible. Um, but the the West Coast is beautiful. The weather is nice. It's cooling down as fall descends. I'm, I'm feeling wonderful.
0: Great, great. Yeah, I'm out here in Texas, and the weather is beautiful. I was actually supposed to fly to the East Coast, but, of course, the hurricane definitely changed my plans. But tonight's mm to be a phenomenal show. Mr. Beal is very passionate about his craft. And earlier I mentioned that he's an advisor, but actually he is an expert in the field. Uh, I follow this gentleman on Facebook and social media. He's always posting advice and tips. And occasionally, you know, I'll seek his counsel, his counsel, I'm sorry about that, on financial items. So you know, it's going to be a great show, hopefully, for the listeners listening out there. It's going to be a very informative experience on how we can improve our financial independence, which is key to our survival. So let's get him on the line very quickly. Mr. Bill.
2: Hey, 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 what's going on, ladies? What's up? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can what hear we, you. Sound. Okay, I was make sure I ain't sound muffled. You know, you get to play around with these wireless earphones. You know.
1: No, we can hear get you clearly.
2: Stop walking away from the phone. Okay, okay. Hey, what's going on? I appreciate you having me on your platform. That's such, such a humble humble um, experience. So I just want to say thank you first and foremost.
0: You're welcome. You're welcome. Once again, thank you for accepting the invitation to come on to the show. We feel like this is a very important topic and hopefully we can reach a lot of listeners uh, who are out there who may have some questions about their financial status and want to build some wealth, wealth or get out of debt. So we're looking forward to speaking with you tonight.
2: I'm looking forward to answering as many questions as I can. As i serve you ladies in my highest capacity.
0: Excellent. So let's first start off with giving the listeners a little bit of background about yourself before we get into the nitty gritty.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, I'm um, from the south side of Chicago. Um, came out to Tennessee State University back in two thousand ninety nine. Um, what well, let I Let me let me reverse that. Uh, I'm originally from the south side of Chicago. Grew up grew up very poor. Ninety eight percent of my family. It was either mentally or physically handicapped. So, unfortunately, I was not um, mentally or physically handicapped. You know, uh, I used to be ashamed to tell my story, tell my background, um, but I was, a, uh, I was a rape child from so one of my family. Uh, one of the family friends prayed on my mother, and hence, here I am. They used to want my mother to get an abortion, um, but she said, no, she calls my a... Uh, God, yes. So that's one of the main reasons I'm still breathing, because my mother didn't make the decision that 99% of the people want her to do, especially in the family. So I was just give my mother that shout out and say, Thank you and I love you, first and foremost, for standing on your feet. All right, that's just uh, how I came into this world very tragically, but I'm looking to be a blessing to those now. Uh, So my background here, I've been in the financial service industry for just a tank under a decade, a licensed banker at Fifth Third Bank, and at SunTrust Bank, and I started my career off for Wells Fargo. But then from there, um, I got into the insurance industry back in 2009. One of my great friends, Billy Jordan, who's actually one of my mentors, uh, who's doing such a phenomenal job in this industry. Um, He brought me into this industry due to a story that I told him um, back when I was married um, and I understood what what I call the wealth divide between blacks and whites, which started in insurance. And then from there, I just had a curiosity of wanting to know what is the true divide between black America and white America. You know, and as I started working at Fifth Third Bank, SunTrust Bank, AIG, um, it just seemed like white America just followed the five Ps, which is proper preparation for that poor um, performance. You know, they just prepared themselves properly, which led me now to being the CEO of my own nonprofit, We Can Do Dreams, and the CEO of the C T B Financial Group. So that's my background. It's 10 years of being in this industry. I'm truly understanding what it takes to start from the bottom and get to the top,
1: so my first question, and it's a burning one, is when is debt worth it? I mean, there's educational debt. There's debt for opening a small business. There's all sorts of opportunities where we may take on um, indebtedness in order to try to move forward. And when is that re- reasonable and correct to do?
2: Mm, that's a great, great question. Um, I know most of us are used to hearing there are such things as good debt, buying a house, Student loan, business credit, you know, to get started up, then a bad debt, car note, buying a house, student loan, <laughs> you know. So it's really how um, one person chooses to utilize that debt. So um, getting that type of debt, you know, if you don't have a sound business plan or a sound plan, period, to repay that debt in an X amount of time then it's never a good chance, it's never a good time to get in debt. It's a debt. There's plenty of resources out here where you don't have to get in debt to start a business, especially if you're a woman. With all the minority um, grants out there that's catered to women, um, there's it's plenty of companies out here that's giving money away. As far as school, you really don't have to go in debt for school. You know, um, unfortunately, a lot of us want to pay that experience of college, so we tend to go away to school when you actually can stay in state and go to school. So, uh, really, debt is a choice, and unfortunately, people make that choice far too um, too too common and too soon, which put them in a the place of a debtness that they can't pay back because most folks don't have a plan for the type of debt they're going to use.
0: And, Kaish, I'm glad you brought up, you know, debt management and just, you know, acquiring debt for the simple fact that, of course, people talk about good debt and bad debt. Okay, we talked about, you know, debt being a choice. And what happens when, okay, you've already made that decision to have debt? And I'm going to use student loans, for example. I mean, the cost of college education is just absolutely ridiculous. It's astronomical, the amount of debt that students come out having. So for students who have that that large amount of debt, would you recommend that they try to pay it off as soon as possible or should space it out over the, the 20 to 25 year plan that's proposed to them by the lender? Like, what's the best approach to tackling that type of good debt? And I think using that in air quotation.
2: Where um, you want to pay it off as soon as possible. And know, you want to realize this debt is slavery any type of debt of slavery. You never want to pay anything off over the 25-year um, time period because you're going to be paying more than what you actually borrowed. So if you can get out of college and you have minimum debt, that should be the first thing you're tackling. How do I get out of this debt? That should be the first thing I, I will pay pay off is my student loans uh, because you do not want to – Going into a marriage with student loan debt, you do not want to get into a serious relationship with student loan debt. In a way, right now, since the collapse of the mortgage industry back in 2008 and 9, student loan debt didn't used to be counted towards the purchase of a home. Now it's counted towards the purchase of your home, and what's this income? I mean, what's this acronym called? DTI, debt and income. You know, so it can, it can make your debt way higher, I mean, you know, way higher than the income you bring it in, which can stop you from getting um, a home loan if you want to get into home ownership. So, you know, pay that off immediately. Pay any debt off immediately. Debt is slavery. That's the number one thing that um, I've been preaching out, you know, for the past really, four or five years. You know, debt is slavery.
1: But then it's game changing because we're sold this idea that education um, by all means is the way out and definitely the way to financial, uh, I guess, climbing the, the ladder financially. And so um, I think midstream is kind of like the, is the bar being moved or did we have it wrong all along?
2: But can you repeat that I took my earpiece off no,
1: no problem. um we've been given the 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 idea that social mobility and financial climb you're changing your socioeconomic status is so much dependent on education, formal education, um which often comes with debt attached, so with this a change in the strategy? Has the finish line been moved or have we been running the wrong race altogether?
2: The finish line stay moving because, you know, we don't control the system. Um, but we've definitely been running the wrong race um, and having the wrong strategy when it comes to education. You know, the most unfortunate, fortunate part about education, uh, I think they got statistics that back this up, but at least 90% of people don't even use their college degree. <laughs> you know I'm went to school for psychology and I am in in um in finance right so that's one of the main reasons why people are in debt. Second of all, there's a lot of people that go in debt, and the type of majors that they major in doesn't pay out. You know you got a lot of folks with a lot of liberal arts degrees, and there's no knock to people who have liberal arts degrees. I'm just saying it's kind of difficult to be making $32,000 a year when you owe 90, <laughs> you know, when you're in debt and and then the first thing you do, you go run out and, and you don't d- decide to go back home to stay with your parents. You go get your rent. Now I rent $900 for a studio on for $32,000 salary. Then you go get Hello. you a car note. You spend about $400 a month on your car note. So you make $3,200 roughly that's a 32,000. I think it's roughly $2,600, $2,700 a month per se. $1,200, is went to rent and went to your car note. I didn't even take taxes out.
0: So I know you're not a, you like, get you what I'm, you know, saying? Not, I'm sorry, you're not, a, I understand you're not an educational advisor, but this ties into finances, pursuing majors that pay out. And there was a recent study that said that African-American women, black women, were the most educated group in the United States. And then when you actually break down the majors, it was more so liberal arts instead of the STEM majors. And, of course, STEM majors pay more. So are you a proponent of going to technical school or trade schools as opposed to attending a liberal arts school where you're going to acquire a massive amount of debt, but the payout is not commensurate with the amount of loans that you had to take out to achieve that accomplishment or get that degree that's probably not even in the field that, or not even in the field that you're working in.
2: Right, right, absolutely. You're right. And what I like to talk to people now is that, you know, people are not really following. The STEM movement is dead. It's now STEAM. You know, got to add agriculture and that. And that's the new movement right now that I wish that if we would have had um, that type of information in our high school years, you know, we will be well ahead of the game. But you're absolutely right. Another thing you said about black women that most people don't want to, I gonna say champion, but don't want to face a harsh reality. Although we are, um, our women are the number one, um, the, the, the most educated of all genders and races. We also, our women is also the most indebted of all genders and races, right? So on one side, yay, we're educated, but we also broke. No one talks about that side. And, you know, w- what we really deal with is people get into these majors and make a bunch of emotional decisions, you know, when it comes to their majors. Like, like I said, there's nothing wrong with liberal arts, but you can't – you have to understand you really – it's very difficult to have a high-maintenance lifestyle that we seem to enjoy. So if you know you want to craft that, um, um, that that if you know, let me put this in the right way, in the right context. So yes, I will go to school that will focus on STEAM, science, technology, engineering, agriculture, math. Um, that's going to pay me to seventy to eighty to ninety thousand dollars a year. But when I'm passionate about, I will turn that into a business. And I would self-educate myself on the things that I want to do, because if typically you have a passion for what you're trying to pursue when you have a liberal arts degree. Would y'all agree with that?
1: Uh, yeah.
2: I mean, I mean, most people do. So how about you just use that in a form of, of try to create a business around your passion, but you go to school to get the money so you'd be able to fund your vision.
0: But let's be let's be honest, Corey. So, yeah, you have this passion in the perfect world. Yeah, that would be great. That would be a perfect avenue to be an entrepreneur. But let's face it, as a minority, what is the likelihood that you're gonna walk into a bank, present your business plan, and actually be able to acquire a business loan?
2: What's um, with like- me being a former banker, the likelihood you may most folks may not believe it's really high. You could get money through the banks. You know, um the the number one thing I used to tell all my clients um that were women, I say, Go through your phone and you know, um, what's the name of your hairstylist? They're right off their hairstylist. And I say, Then what's the name of your of your doctor? They're right off their doctor. And I say, Hey, what's the name of your banker? Before me. And they don't know. And I say, see, that's what we mess up at. The person who controls your most important asset, which is money you don't even know them. So if you get to know your banker, listen what I'm saying, if you get to know your banker, bankers could teach you how to get money from the bank. But we don't have a relationship with our bankers, and therefore we don't have the right strategies to get the money from the bank. It's all about strategy. It's all about, like I said, being prepared. It's all about who you know. As you could get the money, the resources are there. Be being in that industry, the resources, they're there. Now, yeah, so it's a little first bit step? difficult.
1: What's the I'm listening, I'm
2: sorry.
1: What's the first step? The first step? step, like
2: I said, get to know your banker. Your, ba- your banker has a wealth of information. A wealth of information. They got credit repair tools. They got links to resources that will help you get your business um, if you if you have any questions about getting your business going, like they'll send you to the SBA offices. They'll guide you to your local small business association offices that where they can teach you how to get the one-on-one mentoring, how to get free business plans developed, how to find a mentor in your industry that's been successful in your industry, and they will mentor you for a year, how to sit back and look at your finances and teach you how to get your debt-to-income to a level so they could present the case for you. It's been many times I wrote personal emails to um, the underwriters basically saying, hey, Jay, this young lady here, she's a Stanford grad, you know, a mother, was a nurse, worked over 30 years. Whatever the case may be, drafted that story and hit the send button. And once they got that background check and they say, wow, she seemed like she's an upstanding individual Hey, we're going to go ahead and give you an opportunity. See, those things that bankers could do that most, that 90%, 99% of the public don't even know. So your banker need to become your best friend. Your insurance agent need to become your best friend. The people that control the money that you're trying to make, those are the people you should get to know. And unfortunately, we shun those people. All they trying to do is get my money. You know, they ain't trying to help me out. <laughs> you know well,
0: But okay, say you you're yeah, you know, Kaisha and I both went to Sanford. We did. So uh, of course that opens a lot of doors. But so say you take the, the average Joe who doesn't have a college degree, but he has a business a human that's just out of sight, out of this world. He doesn't have that type of pedigree or resume. He's gone you mean to tell me that he can successfully walk into a bank establish a relationship with the banker and acquire a loan to pursue his passion. Like how realistic is that? Because the media makes it mm. seem like black people can't get loans. So start businesses, it's
2: a, <laughs> to well, first of community. all, he, he who controlled the media controlled the narrative. <laughs> there we go. Right. You ever heard that saying, consider the source. You have To consider Absolutely. the source where you're getting your information from, so if I know I'm living in a in, in a in a white supremacy system that is systemically pushing me out and not getting the loans, of course, I'm gonna tell you everything negative so you don't even say, "Damn, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't know if I can curse it or not my bad. Where you where it can become so overwhelming, you get to believe that narrative because they're constantly beating it in your head over and over and over and over again. And guess what? That is simply not true. Now, I'm not trying to say, let me, let me correct myself. Let me say this. And let me put my quotations in the air. I'm not trying to say racism doesn't exist. And I'm not trying to say that, yes, we do systemically get pushed out of certain loans. And they, it is a lot of biased underwriters. But that doesn't mean that you don't stop. You keep pressing. You keep pressing. And then you just do what most people do. Hit a bank with a discrimination suit. if You feel like you're being discriminated against. It's, it's really as simple as that. When we have all the tools to fight the system, we choose not to. We just, we just think people are just going to give it to us. No, you got to go eat. This country was not, unfortunately, this country was stolen. No one gave them this land. They stole this land, that, and, and 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 through I sweat equity, they built the businesses the same way with those same corrupt mindsets.
0: But le- let me. So let me that's interrupt- why the- to, to, to counter that, and yeah, in some in some um, degree, I agree with you. But on the other hand, I mean, you kind of have to have an intuition or have some prior exposure or knowledge or just resources to even know where to go to get your foot in the door, to know where to start. But I don't feel like we are taught finances at home. We're not taught. We're not. I mean, I don't, I don't ever recall a class where I was taught how to balance a checkbook. My parents taught me how to be financially responsible, but for Mm for the individuals who don't have that type of background at home, like, where are they going to get started? Because to me, it just seems like a perpetuating cycle that we seem to, we cannot get out of. And I don't know where to start exactly.
2: with Exactly. Okay, so the first thing we talked about, we say he who controls the media controls the narrative. Right? <laughs> right? What you don't know, what well, most people don't know, only four out of 50 states teach financial literacy in their high school. <laughs> it's required in high school. Only four out of 50. So 46 states right, does not teach financial literacy in high school. So it's just not in our community. It's 46 states. So I, I used to always say, when white America get a cold in finances, black America gets the pneumonia, right? So we got 46 states where people are not getting educated, not even from a middle school standpoint or from the high school standpoint. Number two, we don't make that conversation sexy enough. It ain't a fun <laughs> conversation to talk about. Like can I said, you could go on. We
1: we often say it's off off the table. Finances it's you know people uh, are quicker to sometimes jump in bed than jump into each other's bank account bank accounts and credit history.
2: Yeah, I mean so, you know that's I mean what 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 happened was we let we let that simple minded thinking um, the zero-rate common sense. You know, we, we, when people who don't have nothing, they always want to hide it. They always want to be insecure. They don't need to know what I have. That's because you don't have it. The, the, the wealthy share, the people who have a wealth of information and who is very confident, you know what I'm saying, they're going to share where they get their money from. They're going to share how they made their money. It's really the people who are insecure that don't share resources. That's I always said when you look at our race, we're the most dysfunctional race. We're the most hurt race, hurt people, hurt people. So that's why I say in our, in our race, it's a high cost of low self-esteem because we push people out. We don't bring people in. So we can't have a conversation about money. Why? Cause most don't know about money. So it's easy to say, well, you need to know what's going on in my backyard. You don't need to know what, what's happening over here. Who says that when people love to stunt on Facebook, they love to stunt on Snapchat they love to the stunt on Twitter. People love to the stunt. <laughs> they love to show off what they have. So we when they say weird. stuff like that, I mean, it reeks insecurity.
0: I mean, I wouldn't go that far. Don't think that's a bit harsh and judgmental. I mean, you work hard. If mm-hmm. you're stuck in your, you know, most there's a study that said that most people who remain in the socioeconomic class in which they were born. So you take this person who makes X amount of dollars, the likelihood of them moving up a social class is slim to none. So do you really fault them for wanting the finer things in life?
2: No, I don't fault anyone for for wanting the finer things in life. So I'm sorry. I I, I don't fault anyone for wanting the finer things in life, especially the way advertising is being bombarded you know, bombarded us every twenty, you know, 24 hours, seven days a week about you should have this or you need to have that, you know. So I can understand the seduction, how it works, you know, of, of making you want the best things. I mean, it, it, and like I said, it's sexy. They're controlling the narrative. I don't fault that. I don't fault that at all. But what I do fault is when you know you can't afford it and you're still trying to get it, that's an insecurity thing. The wealth begins in the mind. It start everything is mental.
1: So how do we do a debt reset, Mr. Beal? I want, <laughs> let's coin that term, the debt reset, because regardless of where you are in life, we've made decisions, you're now in the situation that you're in now. Now what? Mm-hmm. Where do we start?
2: Well, you got to be willing, like you said, when you do your debt reset, you got to go back to the backboard, I mean, to the, yeah, to your blackboard, or the whiteboard, rather, and you got to put a good... 30 months up to the side and say, hey, for the next 30 months, these are the debts that I plan on tackling, right? It's plenty of software that you can use when you're doing your debt reset where you could do the debt snowball. And You look at the lowest bill and you pay minimums of everything except this one big bill and then you pay that bill off and you create an avalanche in doing the debt snowball, which you could become out of debt during this time your credit going to be tarnished. I wouldn't really focus on worrying about credit right now. I'd be focused on getting out of debt because credit is easy to repair. Credit is very easy to repair. So my main focus is for the next 30 months, how do I get out of debt? Okay. Do I have to downsize where, um, where I'm staying at? Do I have to go back to mom and them house? Do I have to rent this room out so I don't have all these uh, um, um, expenses? that are really liabilities instead of assets so I could continue to pay because, unfortunately, one-third of people's paycheck goes to rent. And you could take that expense out for five years and take that money when you move back home and you could stack that money up, you could pay off a lot of debt instead of going to acquire it. So that's how we do the debt reset. We assess where we at and say, hey, where would I like to be 30 months from now? And then you sit down with a financial planner that can show you how you can become debt-free 30 months or less. And you have to stick to the script. It's very, very doable. I've helped several people eliminate hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt because they stayed the course. And The the best thing about it, they didn't really realize, I mean, they they, they realized it wasn't as stringent as their mind told them it was going to be. And you got to ask yourself, what are you willing to um, – I hate to use the word sacrifice, but what are you willing to invest in? I try to use Everything the power a word, price. invest.
1: Everything at a huh? price. Everything has its price, including financial freedom, right?
2: And every You can say that a thousand times, and I'm going to agree with you a thousand and one. Absolutely.
0: So, Corey, I have a question. So, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on – GoFundMe accounts. Because of course, you you go on social media and everybody has a GoFundMe account. And you know, some of them are just you know, crazy, insane, out of control. But then there's some where you know, I see them as barrier plans, supplemental insurance. And I try not to be judgmental, especially when if it's an older person. If I see a younger person and we have technology internet resources to educate ourselves but i feel like you know you shouldn't have to have a gofundme account to bury your loved one or your loved one shouldn't be burdened by your death when you could simply pay a low amount or a small fee for a life insurance policy and i'm not sure we just Absolutely. don't know that or it's just not a priority and can it's you, a mindset
2: you know, it's a mindset. I'm sorry, I continue your question, but it, oh my goodness, you just you just took me back to sitting in front of countless of people who say, I don't care about my family. I don't care about them. When I die, <laughs> I ain't leaving them nothing. They ain't done nothing for me, so why I'm gonna leave them rich? I mean, you just you just need to hear the responses that I hear. We have a truly, truly negligent mindset when it comes to insurance. A negligent mindset when we when we come to insurance, it's, it's it's disheartening, it's heartbreaking. Just to hear why people don't get insurance, it's not because they can't afford it. You know, I, I I sat down with a client. She said, "I'd be damned if I die before my husband and let him spend that money with another woman." These are Wait, real. These are real. Conversations I have, no, something you should be chuckling with. People have emotional ties to people in their afterlife. No man, I ain't giving up her. When I die, I put, man, she gonna she gonna spend my money and go spend it with the next guy. No, nah, I'm not having that. Nope, she gonna have to work for it. So what about what your, your kids? Of- well, they young? I'm I have I'm witnessed sorry. that
1: exact conversation. I have, and my reaction was like, wow, you really don't care about your kids. But um, that's my judgment on that point um, in terms of leaving them with the bag, in theory, to pay for a funeral. But what type of insurance, because there's health insurance, there's unemployment insurance, there's uh, disability insurance. What type of insurance do we need? What are the essentials?
2: the the okay, so within our community, the insurance that I advocate the most is it's a new term insurance that came out it just hit the market like six, seven years ago, probably I say about almost a decade um it's called living benefits if you have a heart attack, stroke, cancer, any type of critical or chronic illness, you could take money from this term insurance policy tax free and never pay it back. Now, what I tell people all the time, the term insurance industry is the gravy train of the insurance industry. In my opinion, that and whole life are the gravy train, but particularly term, because term insurance, 98% of people outlive their contract, whether they get a 10-year term, 20-year term, 25-year term, 30-year term, 98% of people outlive their term. So they don't get that money back, especially if they don't get a return of premium rider on their term insurance. So they don't get that money back. That's lost money. That's more money to the insurance industry. Right. Can However,
0: you before you go forward? I'm sorry. Can you explain what the rider is that you mentioned?
2: A rider is something that you add to your policy. So I give an example, like a waiver of premium rider. That's something I highly recommend people get on any type of insurance coverage. <laughs> that protects you if you have a loss of job due to injury or just a loss of job. And if you have that waiver or premium rider on your cut on your insurance coverage and um like I said you you get injured, you get fired, the insurance company will pay your premiums until you are able to get back on your feet. So you don't ha- so you don't lapse your coverage. So you don't, um, uh, yeah, so you don't lose your coverage. Because the first thing people get rid of when hard times come is their insurance. First thing that go is insurance. I don't need that. And I always still be with well, insurance is something you don't need when you really, need. insurance is something that you don't need until you need it and then you don't have it. You know, so that's, that's a rider. So it's different riders out there that I recommend that you get. But when I was going back to term insurance, like I said, 98% doesn't pay out. But when you look at us as a race, let me ask you ladies, what tends to happen to us between ages 35 to 65?
1: Diabetes.
2: There you you go. Come on.
1: Hypertension.
2: There you go. Come on.
1: You name the list of chronic diseases. Communicable and non communicable, we, we deal with them. Strokes, right early onset, early onset, Alzheimer's. Uh, mm-hmm. you name and it. And guess
2: what we and guess what we don't have? Something that could protect our income when we have a debilitating illness.
1: So what is that income insurance? Because people need to understand that that is separate, apart and different from unemployment insurance, which is supplemented no. Uh, no, no, no. Well, I, what I'm
2: saying, this, what I'm saying, this term insurance is just term insurance with living benefits. That's not income protection. That's just a new type of term insurance out that you could take money from and never pay it back. People don't know that. Like I gave a lady a two hundred thousand um, dollar um, check because she had the triple bypass heart attack, and she got two hundred thousand from her term. She don't pay that back because she had living <laughs> benefits. She had. She had an illness. She had a triple bypass heart attack.
1: Who do you purchase term insurance from? Is it the same place where you go to purchase the car insurance, the house insurance, the flood insurance?
2: Well, most companies, most insur- it's like only six companies that sell term insurance, and I represent, I think, four out of the six that sell that type of term insurance with living benefit. Um, most of your companies that you go get your auto home and life, they don't have it. Um, I know State Farm was trying to, well, they got something where they said they're bringing life back into life insurance. That's what they're talking about, living benefits. But it's really on a smaller scale on what some of the other major companies are using, like Transamerica, uh, um, Phoenix, um, Life, National Life, all those companies that I represent. You know, that's actually been doing it for about a decade or so, AIG, those type of companies that has the full gamut of um, coverages, you know, that type of term. So um, it's different from income protection insurance. But that's that's something I highly recommend. Like, particularly, I always say black women because, you know, black men now, uh, black women, they don't find. They just did a study today, I mean, it was just on MSN, that black women are three times more likely to die from breast cancer than white women. Why? Because we find out in stage three, we got cancer. We have inadequate savings, inadequate health, and for some odd reason, we just don't understand that bills don't get sick, debt don't get sick. You still have to pay those things. So if you have something that could protect you, be proactive. You know, when you start living proactive, then you can have. I'll give you the story I had this lady who had cancer. She had um she had a five hundred thousand dollar term insurance policy. She wound up getting cancer, like a year to having the coverage. Her health insurance did not want to pay for her um um experimental drug or experimental surgery. Flat out said, Hey, we're not paying that. No problem. She went and got $329,000 from her term insurance policy and paid for the surgery herself and for the drugs herself. And guess who's still living? You you get what I'm saying? That's how we're being proactive. And I advocate that every black woman have that. Every black man need to have that. Because, unfortunately, we don't want to go get our prostate checked. And then you look up, we're still eating steaks, and we're still eating all these foods that we know that leads to cancer. Now we're 56. Now we're 47. Now we're 48. We're stroking out. We have diabetes. You know, now we got prostate cancer. And guess what? We have inadequate health insurance. Or we have no life insurance. And then we got this woe is me look. And everybody want to send prayers. And we just want this miracle to happen. And we had over 40 years to prepare. So I'm with you, Jay. I do not feel any sympathy for people who do not prepare for life insurance. I just don't. I'm in this industry. I know you could pay pennies on a dollar to be covered. And yet we refuse to do it. Why? Because it's not a sexy conversation.
0: Well, what about this sexy conversation? Credit card debt.
2: What are your thoughts?
0: I mean, those rates, if you really pay attention to the fine print of your bills, the rates can be pretty darn high. But yeah, you know, we, white, black, doesn't matter the gender, we all tend to gravitate towards that Visa, MasterCard, you know, American Express. And it can be a great thing to get you, you know, out of a financial bind, but it can also be a crutch. So I want you to talk a, b- a little bit more about using credit cards to your advantage, uh, specifically using the cash back option.
2: Okay. So if you want to use it to your advantage, right, there's really no advantage of using the credit card, but just for the sake of answering the question, I answer the question. Um, say for instance you're making about $5,000 a month, right? let's say you net about 3,900 out of five grand and your expenses total about $2,000, $2,000 rent, gas, food, whatever. And you got a $4,000 credit limit. You know, the rule of thumb is you're supposed to spend 30% or less of your credit utilization. But just for this, this scenario, I'm going to say, Hey, you want to keep your credit A-rated, what you do is you use that credit card for everything, gas, food, pay your bills with, right? And then once a month, you have a separate savings account where you just deposit $2,000, like an automatic transfer of $2,000 that goes to that savings account, and on the 26th of every month, you just pay your credit card off. You know you spent about $2,000 a month in your expenses. You go on med.com to track your expenses, to track your expenditures, right? You have your software. You, you, you become your own money paparazzi. You watch where your money go. And, and that's what you've been spending. You just use your credit card for that. You just allow your direct deposit checks to hit your bank account, and you just let that stockpile. And as you, long as you're letting that stockpile And then every month you pay that $2,000 credit card off. Not only are you paying your bills off, you're constantly boosting up your credit score because the way your credit score works is through the utilization of your credit, not being idle. It's constantly in motion. So your score is consistently going up. And as long as you're making that on timely, uh, making that payment on timely, you know, timely every month, then not only would your credit score go up, your credit limit would go up. So if your credit limit could go up and your income, you get a raise at your job, and now you get from you 3,900 net, you 4,300 net, you may bump it up a little bit. And that's the only way the credit card will work with you if you're going to get cash back on it because you're spending everything. You have to spend an exorbitant amount of money to truly – Get the benefits of getting your four percent, your three percent, your two percent, and your one percent cash back. You need to be spending an excess of two to three thousand dollars a month on your credit card just to take advantage of those perks. If those are the perks you choose to take advantage of, that's how you play the credit card game.
1: Okay, so you shared some serious knowledge. I just want to briefly recap. We talked about the debt reset and setting goals where you try to pay off, you know, one particular bill that you focus on and pay that down. We talked about, you know, term insurance where you have kind of an out, a backup plan in case you become suddenly sick. Um, What else um, I want to leave us our listeners with the next steps, because I want to leave them in the world of possibilities. We've told them, you know, a bit of things that they don't do and, you know, been a little, um, you know, kind of rough about, how people can just be lazy about the wrong things. Now we want to make mm-hmm. them crazy about saving money, about paying down debt, and just really taking control of their lives. So and now what?
2: Okay, so one of the things I I I love to say I recommend people doing is this. When you're fresh out of college, let's unbridle our pride a little bit and let's move back home if we could. Right? And what mm-hmm. you do is when you move back, huh? Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's the personal no, I mean, choice. No,
2: okay, okay. Hey, everybody ain't balling out like y'all, Miss Stanford Grad. <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> about the folks who ain't balling. I'm talking about the other eighty <laughs> percent. Oh,
1: there's some Stanford Grad not balling. Don't don't do get it
2: twisted. There's a no one there. <laughs> um. Um. Let's say you just un- unbridle your pride. Personal choice or not, we're going to unbridle some pride around here. We go back home. Because really, what is you really doing outside of your home? I mean, <laughs> if you want to keep it blunt, or keep it 100, the main reason you want your own space is just to participate in adult activities. Y'all know what I mean by saying adult activities.
1: Yes, That's sir. really the only
2: reason why you want your own space. But to be realistic, You're not even in your house 12 hours a day. (laughs) You're not even in your house. You know, so you're going to spend $1,300 because rent is going high. It's very high now, so I'm just going to say $1,000. So you're going to spend $1,000 a month on a place you ain't going to be in uh, 20 to 30% of your time. It's just like a glorified hotel. You just got a place to come lay your head at. But typically, if you're in out the house, you're out the house at 6 o'clock, you at the, you know, whatever type of commute you have. Let's say you got a 45-minute commute. So you get the shower, you're up, you're out your house at 7 o'clock, you're in traffic. you at work from 8 to 5 after 5 o'clock come around. And this is a young adult. We're talking about young adults now, 24, 25, 26. So after 5 o'clock, you get off work, you go fake and work out. <laughs> you go to the gym, you work out, you go to the happy hour, you rip around, you look up, it's nine o'clock just so you can go home and take a shower, and go to sleep. You can do that at home. You can do that back in your house instead of accruing that debt. So, this is what I'm saying. So, you got that thousand dollars that you'll be paying for rent, and then you just say, you just imagine how much lights will cost. You just imagine. Okay, $200 for lights, $100 for hair. So let's say your monthly expenses is like 1600 bucks. You take that same $1,600 that you would have been paying for a living expense, and you put that in an interest-bearing account that may be yielding anywhere between 9 to 12% because it, it is accounts like that. And then you look up. Let's what? Let's, hold on, hold on. Let me see something. I got a calculator in front of me. Hold on. I said sixteen hundred uh sixteen hundred times twelve. So we said that's nineteen thousand a year that you could be putting in a interest bearing account of like twelve percent. But this you got nineteen thousand. You times that nineteen thousand Times twelve. Oh, let's do. Hold on, nineteen thousand. Nineteen thousand a year times seven. You just got you one hundred and thirty-three thousand dollars put up. That's not even an interest bearing's account. That's just a hundred and thirty-three thousand dollars you got put up. You now you're right. twenty-nine or you're thirty years old. You could take that money. And instead of going to buy your dream house, you go buy you a duplex because now you have a duplex that you could get anywhere between $150,000, 200000 right? You take $100,000, you put it towards your duplex. That's when you might get a little small loan out. If the if the house is like a hundred eighty, you put $100,000. Now you got an 80000 mortgage. You probably, with good credit, you'll probably be spending about five $600 on one side. You rent the other side out for $900. Now you're yielding a 4% profit. Now you pay your duplex off. And Mr. you have Beale. your duplex. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: So I, I hate to um, cut this conversation. No, short. I was just
2: putting you, putting you on some game. I was trying to tell you how the new way of home ownership. You just cut me yeah. off. I'm going to give you a new way to, to, to oh, get gonna out of have debt. Gonna have to, you're going to have to book me again for next week, part two of this conversation. we going to
0: have a part two, three, and four because there are definitely, you know, I could talk on and on and on about so many
2: aspects
0: of <laughs> finance that I know absolutely nothing about. But, of course, you know, we have limited time slot of what the show, for each show. But, you know, I want to thank you for coming on to the show, Dropping Your Knowledge um, and Expertise in the field of, you know, finances. I greatly appreciate that. Very rare that I see black people or black males in general even in that field. So kudos to you. Um, if you could tell the listeners where they can find you on social media or your company, anything you want to share will be greatly appreciated.
2: Okay. so. Y'all, you know, people like to verify, people. Y'all can Google me. If you want to. <laughs> you go on my LinkedIn page, um, Corey Bill Sr. You see me on LinkedIn. You can follow me on Twitter, Mr. Corey Bill Sr. Um, you can send me a friend request on Facebook. I only got 3,200 friends, so I got room for 1,800 more to <laughs> get on. Um, I'm actually starting a woman financial empowerment Coaching Academy, where I'm gonna be looking for women who wants to take the mantle, and 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 I understand about finances. So if you want to contact me on that, I definitely said reach me on Facebook. The website is getting revamped. It is com. That website to be up back in mid December. My app will be out probably in january, and then you can shoot me a text they'll say, "Hey, you heard me on blog talk 615-999-8767, or email me at c o r y b e a l s r dot w f g at gmail dot com you can email me there and uh, we could we could go through we could talk I represent so many companies. From Transamerica, Prudential, New York Life, MedLife, Life, Allianz, all the top fifty A plus rated insurance companies. So you can look on their platform. Corey represents them.
1: You said two one five nine 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 what?
2: Six six one five nine 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 eight seven six seven.
0: Got it. Cool. So I hope all the listeners heard that. That's Mr. Corey Bill. Once again, thank you for coming on to the show. We will definitely have you on the show in the near future to continue the conversation about finances.
2: I appreciate you guys. And remember, y'all, I call myself the Malcolm X of financial literacy. I'm going to rebuild black wealth by any means necessary and debt is slavery. Peace. Peace.
1: Take care, y'all. Kaish. Yes, ma'am. What did you think of that show? Girl, I'm thinking about my own debt reset. I'm looking cross-eyed at these loans like (laughs) really? And um, I also feel encouraged because you can start from wherever you are and just start prioritizing accordingly. I learned about the term insurance. I'm going to go research that. Um, I learned um, just I think that my situation is not unique in thinking about how I approach things as a first-generation college student and how that works in terms of knowledge exposure and um, how it affects your finances, you know, generation after generation. So I'm definitely indebted in a good way uh, to Mr. Beal. And I hope that we can gather more information as we follow him and follow his website and hopefully just actually implement some of the suggestions that he's made. Absolutely.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. I'm just sitting here absorbing all the information, recognizing, you know, there are some deficits that I have when it comes to my own personal finances and building my own wealth creation but once again, thank you all for the listeners out there for tuning in to another episode of the Brown Sugar and Spice Show. I'm your host, Dr. Faye, and this is my co-host, Ms. Kaiish Lybird. Follow her also at World of Women. She'll have a talk show going on tomorrow. So once again, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Have a good night. Peace. Look